Thanks for joining us and supporting Vicido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about travel tips and common airplane facts. Have you ever wondered how an airplane really flies or why turbulence are so annoying? We have joining us Captain Timothy Bryant, an airplane pilot for United Airlines. He will answer some of our questions about flying and also share with us his awesome story of how he became a pilot. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. Hi, Vicki. How are you? I am fine. Great. We have a treat today. Some of your peeps are coming on today. My brother T. <laughs> your brother T. I promise I'm not going to tell all the little secrets. <laughs> oh, shucks. The family secrets. Oh, huh? shucks. <laughs> shucks. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then with the weather, we still haven't yeah. gotten our, our You know, our I'm snow. just knocking on wood. I We're like know. February the 5th, and we've just got, the, the guy's only been to my house maybe twice this year. Okay. Yeah, for, for shoveling snow. out right. the snow. So let's just, and, and then old Puxatani Phil didn't see his shadow. So he didn't see his shadow. So there's going to be early spring. Early spring. Yeah. My grandmother used to say, ooh, sometimes that's good, but even down south, you need a little cold spell to get rid of all the germs. You do. Well, you know, there's some truth to that. You, you know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of truth to that. Yeah. yeah. Because people tend to get, I know when I lived in Minnesota, they used to always say that cold is probably not so bad because warm weather does bring with it a whole host of other illnesses. And right. Stuff. Yeah. That are associated with so allergies and all these all other that things. stuff. So, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's a beautiful day I'm today. I'm loving it. Yes. In the yes, neighborhood. In the neighborhood. Yep. Well, today we talk about travel tips and some common airplane facts. Now, have you wanted to know the real deal as to how an airplane flies? Yes, we're going to talk about and answer some of those questions that we all may have wondered about with airplane travel in this episode. Airplane travel, well, it has changed over the years. There's security check, the TSA line, and then what's so 
cool or well, I don't know if it's cool. It's annoying sometimes. You know all this because you're an international flight person, and I've traveled internationally as well. Sometimes you go through the line, and you know you get all mixed up because sometimes you don't have to take off your shoes. Right. Sometimes you, you do, do have to take off your shoes. And there's and no quality. A lot of times in these airports, there's not a lot of quality. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you get away with some things at some airports, and some airports you don't. You know, some of them let you slide stuff through. I'm, I'm look at my purse when I go on the outside. Ooh, they let that go through. Right. You know, and some of them are real vigilant about letting stuff go through. But yeah, I mean, taking your shoes off or on. The other thing that's annoying for me now, too, is that everybody's got hip to TSA. So now the TSA lines oh, can be as long as the other lines. TSA check TSA or check. Yeah, so now I've Pre-check. gone to do clear. That's my new one now. Oh, is clear. it clear? Clear is where you use your, you put your eyes in there. Okay. And it goes off your retina. Okay. And that's a little bit faster than TSA. So you got to always try to stay ahead of the game because everybody, the TSA lines are like long. Yeah, now they long. Yeah. yeah, what is it? The pre-check, pre-approved uh-huh. TSA uh-huh. line. Exactly. Yeah, so now they're long. Yeah, they're you're right. Long. Yeah. You're right. Because everybody's getting hip to pay you know, $100 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's global entry, which makes your comeback in the United States a lot easier. But a lot of people are getting hip to that, too. Oh, I know. And those lines you know, can be and long. And those lines can be long, right. Yeah, right. so I guess it's being on the cutting edge with I technology. Guess, I guess. We got to keep up. Keep up. But yeah, it's a lot of things that have changed and, and baggage size guidelines yes, and yes, all that. Yes. And so t- sometimes um, air travel can be miserable. We will be given a few travel tips for flying that will hopefully relieve you of some of the stress and pain of flying so that you can enjoy the experience a little bit more. We are so proud to say that today we have joining us Timothy Bryant, Yay. a captain for United Yay. Airlines. And he is also my brother T. Yeah. And so we can't wait to hear all of the awesome things that he will say, especially how he became a pilot, but answer some of the questions that we have about flying. Make sure you go to our resources page, www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. And there you will find products, services that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. And we have a variety of of items and and products and so forth on our resources list for you to check out and try. And it seems like we have folks coming trying to get on our list. Right. And, and, you know, I try to make sure I vet them out and make sure they are with our brand. But I like to try them out first, you know, and and I'm enjoying it. And so we always talk about Sun Basket. It's a healthy meal delivering services offering organic and sustainable ingredients and easy recipes that can be delivered to your door weekly. And one thing I want to say is that you can go into your account and you can make it where you can get two or three recipes. You can get quite a few different things when you order this service online. You can choose between 12 healthy type of delicious recipes each week. They got the paleo, the lean and clean, the vegetarian, gluten-free, and just a lot of other things. And so I have been happy with it. We always, you know, the other day, you know, I like to cook, but not every day, but I like to cook. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it seems like I cook every day, but I remember looking in the refrigerator and going, oh my goodness, 
I don't even have a sun basket, little brown bag in my my refrigerator so I can pull out and cook. The box came and I was like, yay, (laughs) I can cook something Mm -hmm. delicious and don't Mm -hmm. have to think about it. Mm -hmm. So I want most of you guys, go try it. It's a good thing to try. Our new product this week that's been added to our list, and I love it, it's called Just Nutritive, Just Natural Skincare Products and Hair Products. They're fast-growing natural skincare online store. They have a wide selection of natural, effective um, skin and hair care products. And when you check out their products, they have over 140 products that, you know, you can get something for you. Mm-hmm. They even have dog care, which I mm. thought was kind of cute. Oh, wow. Yeah. For allergies, if you have sensitive skin. And the key is that their hair care products, they are handmade and they package them up in beautiful packages. And they're just very nice, just nutritive products. They are handmade fresh, vegan, made in USA, sulfate free, color safe, No parabens. People, when you look at those ingredients Mm -hmm. with a lot of the so-called natural stuff for your Mm -hmm, hair, mm -hmm. you can see that it has a lot of chemicals Mm -hmm. in it. But this doesn't have that. It's chloride-free. It's Mm gluten-free. And I tried it. You know, I had to try out this stuff before I put it on my resources list. So I always look when they have all these products. I'd be like, okay, skincare and hair care. Do they Mm -hmm. have some African-American something for me? Right. And they had some nice stuff for for skincare with the avocado oils and stuff in it. And so I tried their nutritive black hair pre-wash treatment. And loved it. It's a treatment. It's creamy. You put it on, and this is to protect your ends. You put it on your hair Mm. for about 15 minutes or so, and then you wash it out, and then you shampoo it. And my hair was feeling very Mm. soft. Oh, wow. I want you guys to, yeah, go and check it out. Just Nutritive, when you look it up, it's Just Natural Skin Care. They have great products thousands of testimonials because you want to see what people say about them. They're delighted about their products. And mostly this is cool for folks that really worry about these natural products going on your skin and, and for your hair. So check it out and make sure when you check out any of our products and services on our resources page, www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. Remember, if you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of these, you are supporting us here at Vickido Fitness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Well, D, you know, I decided this weekend, because, you know, I like to have at least one day that I can just binge a little bit on TV, relax, you know, clean up, maybe fold clothes while I watch TV. When I watch TV, I'm pretty much watching just cable stuff, CNN, you -hmm. know, the news. You know, I said, you know, I don't really watch regular TV Mm -hmm. like I used to back in the day. Me either. I turned the channel and once again, I was disappointed. Because they don't have, remember Magnum P.I.? Sure. Murder, and, She Wrote. Yeah. yeah. So they do have them on Hallmark, on the mysteries, and they oh, got wow. some nice mysteries, things that I watch on Sunday now. But I said, you know, that's a shame that 
we paying all this money for cable and all this money and all that. And you really can't find, I mean, Mm -mm. you can find some things, but everything is reality stuff. I don't want to see, I don't want to see reality murder stuff. That's not me. No, me either. I don't want to see the police, the police brutality. I mean, the police stuff and you know how they have those reality shows of catching criminals and all. I don't don't want to see see that. that. I want to see some make believe. Quite frankly, I don't want to see Bridezilla. I don't want to say yes to the dress. I don't want to see any of that. No. No. I, I really don't want to see any of that. I'm sick I'm tired of reality of stuff. I want to see some just. You know, when I'm in the hospital, it's interesting because mm-hmm. we have cable. The patients have cable. A lot of them watch old westerns. I'll go in and they're watching Bonanza and they're watching Gunsmoke and they're yes. watching a lot of old movies from TMC yes. and all of that. That's what I tend to sometimes go back to because I get tired of re. I just can't take another reality no, show. No, because I look at some of that and I'd be like, okay, well, maybe they might be my cousins right. for real. I can't do it. <laughs> I cannot oh, do real it. Real house, right? I don't know I, if I want to see that. I, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do it. Mm-mm. I don't know. Let me just go on back to work. Yeah, because Netflix is good. I, I have turned good. on to Netflix. Yes. That's one of my go-to channels now. now yeah. yeah, and Hulu. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can watch some. of And the, then there's another one called Voodoo. V U D U that has lots of old movies and stuff like that. And then well, I heard of something too. It's almost like a a Netflix. Oh wow! And it's called Quayle TV. Mostly it's, geared towards African American. Uh huh. It's okay. K W. E-L-I. I don't know that one. I okay. heard one of the prominent folks online and you two talking about it, you know. Okay, good. Yeah, because, I, I, you know, I can't see the stuff that I used to see and, and loved it. You know, yeah. shoot. Those days are over. Those days are over. So how was your week? So I went to Washington, D.C. for the weekend. Just mm-hmm. a quick trip up and back. Had a meeting up there. But I always like going to Washington. You know, that's our national treasure city. It's uh-huh. our beautiful buildings, great restaurants, great food. Mm-hmm. But I love seafood. I had oysters and crab cakes. I don't do oysters. Mm-hmm. And definitely salmon. Well, these crab cakes are wonderful because, you know, they don't have a lot of breading in yes. them. Yes. So it's and just the one straight like. up crab cake. Where, where did you go to? So I went to Old Ebbett Grill. was one of the restaurants that I went to. And yes. another one was just a just kind of like a hole in the wall. I went to Georgia Brown's. Okay. And then another place that I went for lunch was just kind of like a hole in the wall sort of place that mm-hmm. had just good seafood. But, you know, when you're right there on the Chesapeake oh, yeah. Bay and it Potomac. Just it just different, tastes different, It different. You can taste the, the ocean. Yes. You can taste the freshness of it you know it hasn't been frozen they just got it out the sea and cooked it so yeah I really like Washington and the weather was nice too unfortunately I couldn't change any of your congressmen or house of representatives to do anything differently but Mm. that's another story (laughs) (laughs) yeah moving right along moving right along right yes yes (laughs) so what is going on this week everything Vicky everything Kansas City won. Kansas City. Yes, they won. I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. Okay, now here's... Now, that's Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. Okay, that's what I was going to say. they call it, Missouri. Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Or some people say Missouri. The Chiefs are from Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. 
So yeah. Yes. So I was I was torn between those uh, the teams because of course the 49ers are from Youngstown and I knew the DeBartolo uh, family when Eddie and Candy owned it and I know Denise and stuff but it was a well thought out game. Kudos to Patrick Mahomes, yes. the youngest and best quarterback in the NFL. He's only 24 years old. Young man, Young right? man yes. and a, a black quarterback, which yes. I must say which is a, which is, has been a conversation for many many years mm-hmm. back in the day because they didn't think that blacks could do could be right, quarterbacks. Right, because we weren't smart we enough. We weren't smart enough, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's the third black quarterback that's won a Super Bowl. Yes. I think Doug Williams was one who was with the Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember who the other one was. He's got a great family. His dad mm-hmm. was a baseball player. Yes. And they had a picture of him as a little boy with his dad holding him in his arms and stuff like that. He played college football play- and college and he baseball. he sure did. He sure did. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, he's a professional football player he was a quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs of the NFL mm-hmm. son of like we said a baseball pitcher Pat Mahomes yeah and he was born in 1995 in Tyler Texas he's 6'3 went to Texas University mm-hmm. and now he is number 15 with the Chiefs and his mom's Randy Yay. and a quarterback and today Another thing, I was talking to some people. I went to a Super Bowl game. People are also happy about the coach of Kansas City because, you yes. know, it's been a long time coming for him to get this kind of win, and they're hoping that he goes into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Kansas City won 50 years ago. I think the first Super Bowl that they had in 1970, mm-hmm. or one of the first, Kansas City. But Kansas City hasn't won for 50 years. Mm-hmm. So this is their 50th anniversary. And so good that's for them. Be good. Because yes. as a Browns fan, you are ever suffering. And when somebody <laughs> wins after 50 years, you go, well, maybe there's hope. <laughs> so kudos to Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. Yes, kudos to him. Yeah. And we love it when our young folks... Yes. Uh, Fulfill their dreams. And good news. This is not somebody killing somebody. Right. Good news. It's good news. Good news. It's a good story. It's a feel-good story. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, it's Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And I love this because honoring the colonel. The colonel. Colonel Charles Charles McGee. Charles McGee. Well, interestingly, he was promoted to Brigadier General. Yeah, Brigadier. By... President Trump, Mm -hmm. and he was on television last night Mm -hmm. at the State of the Union. First, he was on Sunday at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I saw that. Did you see him? Yes, I did. I took pictures on television. And he's 100 years old. And it brought tears to my eyes because he looked fantastic. He He was walking. Straight, standing up straight. Oh, yeah. Handsome. Had his, you know, Army uh, military gear on. And then last night, he was at the State of the Union Mm -hmm. address. He was one of the Tuskegee Airmen, yes. which if you all know the story, the Red Tails, mm-hmm. they were the the pilots that followed the pilots, the regular pilots during World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, it was felt that the, the story of them is they were all black and they felt, well, you know, the black pilots can't really do anything. And they, the white pilots, who was, they were majority white in the World War II, mm-hmm. they were leery about having black pilots trail them. Who gave them their start? I don't know if you know this historically. Eleanor Roosevelt came. Yes. And she says, I'll fly with them. So she got up in the plane with one of the black pilots and flew. Well, anyway, I don't remember how many missions they did as mm-hmm. Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch. Uh-huh. They never lost a plane. Never. 
they never lost a plane. Mm -hmm. And so those guys, many of them are dead. They're dying. Of course, they're all in their 100s. But a colonel, a Brigadier General McKee, Brigadier, he flew yes. more than 130 combat missions against the Nazis in World War II. Mm -hmm. He was also in the Korean War. He was born in Cleveland. Yay. Yay. His father was, a, <laughs> was mm -hmm. a Methodist minister. He was born in 1919 and then l later went on to serve in World War II. These guys were acclaimed because nobody thought that black pilots were would mm -hmm. be able to do this. Mm -hmm. And then after the Army forces were officially integrated by President Truman, mm -hmm. McGee later served in Korea and Vietnam, and then he retired to the rank of colonel, and then President Trump promoted him to Brigadier General. And it brought tears to my eyes because yes. you're thinking, give me my flowers while I'm alive. Big time. Big time. Give me my flowers and while I'm alive. he was strutting. I was oh, like... He, and he, his grandson was there. I looked this all up. Kay. And he's from... Arizona. Okay. And this little boy is 13 years old, and he's been part of the sort of like what T has been involved with, bringing young kids right. to the space program well, to let the them understand okay, about yes. space and stuff. Yes. And he stood there with his uh, great great granddad, and that's great something. granddad. Mm -hmm. And I was just so proud of them. Yes. You know? And he turned 100 on December the 7th, which interestingly enough is Pearl Harbor Day. Mm -hmm. And President Trump signed a bill that gave him the promotion to brigadier general during the speech uh, his like i said his uh, there's his name ian lamphier stood up you know and it was here's where bipartisan came as one they stood everybody up, stood up yes. i looked at those joint chiefs of staff all you know with all the metal and stuff on there and i'm thinking to myself you know what you need to bow down in front of this guy a hundred years a hundred years old mm -hmm. red-tailed tuskegee airman had to take all the, the whatever racism was happening, all whatever that. happened during those years and here he still stands like maya angelou's poem yet still i rise that's it that's it was it. fabulous. Every time we have our show, we have what we call health tips. Since we're talking about flying, I said, I better get us some health <laughs> tips on what we're going to do. Our health tip is how to stay fit when you're traveling for work or fun. You can find this on our website, Vicky Doe Fitness, written by Health Day News. And it says, if you travel a lot for business or pleasure, you may think that the most exercise possible is lugging our bags in and out of a car or through an airport. But it's important to get in real exercise even when you're away from home. If you're a busy road tripper, look for snippets of time to move those muscles, like when you stop for gas or any body weight calisthenics will do. Think squats. There are many varieties, but the basic is a powerhouse move. So you stand with your feet a little more than shoulder width apart, arms out in front of you, bend the knees and push your hips back, lowering your body until your thighs are below your knees, if possible. And then return to standing position. Do three sets of 10. At your hotel, do planks or push-ups and some crunches. If stuck in a car or on a plane for any length of time, try isometric exercises where you can contract your muscles without needing to move around a lot. Put the palms of your hands together and press as hard as you can. That will engage your chest muscles. Contracting your gluteal muscles can help your lower back. Remember to hold each isometric exercise 
for 10 seconds. Do a, a few sets of 10 reps each. Once you get to your destination, if you don't have time to hit the hotel gym, take a walk around a park or the convention center if you're attending a conference during lunch or the hotel after your meetings. If you feel adventurous, there may be hiking trails nearby. If you have a fitness tracker, use it to motivate you to sneak in some steps throughout the day. Whatever you do, keep exercise goals realistic while you are away. But remember, you can always fit in some fitness wherever you are. All that to say is there's no excuse, folks. No excuse. You can do None. some contraction Absolutely. while you're sitting in the chair. Absolutely. So, D, what's the latest? Well, I have some update on the coronavirus as we speak. This was most recently updated today. We have 11 positive cases of coronavirus in the United States, 206 who have been tested negative, and there's 76 that are pending. Of the states that are involved, we have Washington State, California, Arizona, Illinois, and Massachusetts to date are states where we have known coronavirus. As we have seen over the week, most of the airlines have shut down travel to China. We've seen several ships that have been, one most recently, just this morning, they had 10 people on the ship that had tested positive for coronavirus. So they have to remain on that ship for 14 days quarantined. So the bad thing about it is if you're on a plane or or whatever with, with a lot of travelers and stuff like that, the quarantine is 14 days in order to be able to determine whether you can come out. So... That's a lot of time to be with people. That's a lot of time. And who pays for all of that? I know, that right? food and this and using the bathroom and this, that, and the other and clothes. And, oh, it's a hot mess. So it is a hot mess. In my medical journals, a lot of my medical colleagues are coming out. We're hoping that, you know, we know that people are working on a vaccine. As it turns out, it appears that the Chinese were not exactly forthcoming. This was not, this was on television. Okay. So it wasn't like fake news. There was a physician who identified early on, maybe December about this virus and the number of people that were getting it and he was harassed basically by the Chinese police they came and they questioned him and they did this that and the other this is all documented they made him sign something to say that something to the effect I'm paraphrasing that you know I'm not as alarmed as I he now has coronavirus And he was talking from his hospital bed when they were interviewing him. My point is, it was bad before the Chinese let it out. But I said, you know, I've said to people, you knew something was wrong when they early on, they were building a thousand bed prefabricated hospital by yesterday. Yes, I know. Yesterday. Something was wrong. Yeah. If they knew a thousand people were going to be using the hospital, that, that you, you're not talking just about a little garden variety here and there. So they were not exactly forthcoming, unfortunately, but it's not something that we haven't dealt with with them in the past. It's just sad that innocent lives... Yes. are affected. So I'll keep everybody updated just like I did with Ebola. But, you know, there's probably going to be more states and more states coming yeah, so up they, with this. So they got to get a vaccine. Yeah, huh? they did have two kids down at Miami of Ohio mm-hmm. that they were keeping and testing. They ended up testing negative. Okay, so good. Ohio hasn't been affected yet. Well, thank you, D. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, 
Haywood Doe Consulting Co. doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about travel tips and airplane facts. Now, airplane travel has changed. Nowadays, there are the security checks, baggage size guidelines, long lines, no leg room on the plane, you name it, all of that kind of stuff. But we will give you some travel tips that will make your airplane travel a little less stressed. And we will also talk with our guests, Timothy Bryant, a captain for United Airlines. And we will ask him some of the questions that you may always have wanted to personally ask a pilot. But first, let's look at some of the travel tips. This was written in the Reader's Digest, so just Google air travel tips. And some of the stuff I looked at, I was like, well, doesn't it make common sense? Yeah. Some of it. But let's look at a couple of them. It says, don't wait at the gate desk when your flight is canceled. Don't get discouraged over a canceled flight just yet. The best way to handle an off-schedule flight is to call the airline as you wait immediately. Yes, as online. you wait in line. I tell that to everybody. Yes. Stand in line with your cell phone and you can be booked on a flight while you're waiting in that long line and then you're booked, you got your ticket and everything. You can get out of that line. And that's a trick some seasoned, let me split this way. Seasoned, seasoned travelers, travelers taught yes. me. Yes. Call the airlines immediately. Don't wait in that line no. to be rebooked because you might miss that flight that you want. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then another thing too that I like and this was check in to your flight ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I always do check in the night before. Me too. I always do that because they got too. all that stuff online. Me too. Yes. Always. And it says, along with saving your valuable time at the airport, checking in to your flight ahead of time can earn you bonus miles mm-hmm. and help you score a better seat. I do. Definitely. And then here's another one. Keep the essentials in your carry-on. And that's what I do. I pack my regular bag that I'm going to check in, but then I always have a little handbag that I can just throw on my shoulders, and that's where I have my little extra, uh, another pants set. A change of clothes. A change of clothes. Right. Just in case. In case your luggage doesn't arrive. In case your luggage, your check bags get lost or delayed, it says it's important to have your essentials packed into your carry-on. Yep. 
definitely your and your medication. medications. Yes, right. your medication. Don't pack any of that stuff. No, and I also pack my plug-ins for my battery chargers. Yes, I put that in there, in there too. Stuff that I'm going to need essentially that I can't wait for if my bags are lost. Right, just mm-hmm. in case. Yeah, your necessary paperwork to right. get you through the security. Exactly. Your hotel. Yeah, all of right. that. Now here's a good one. Now, this one, I was like, oh, my goodness. It says, use the bathroom at the terminal. Mm-hmm. And then it says, a poorly timed pre-takeoff bathroom break could hold up the entire it's flight. It's true. Somebody has to get up to go to the bathroom. Why are you trying? You in the line to right. take off. Sister, and it, use the bathroom in the <laughs> terminal. Okay. <laughs> and it says, there's a sequence to taxing and getting in line for takeoff. Right. And this was said by a veteran flight attendant and blogger at the flypinto.com told on Women's Day. And what she said was, if somebody gets up to use the restroom, we have to tell the cockpit, or what's the uh, politically correct? Flight deck. We have to tell the flight deck, and they have to stop the plane and wait until the person is backing. Can you imagine? In his or her seat. And buckled up. And during that time, you could lose your spot in exactly. line. Exactly. So if people wondering why you sat on the runway for an hour, maybe exactly. maybe because Sally Sue went to the Q <laughs> didn't go had to go to the bathroom when she should have used it in the terminal. There it is. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? And so we have today our interview with Timothy Bryant, a captain for United Airlines. So let's listen to our interview. Here with us today is Timothy Bryan, a captain for United Airlines. He will tell us his story, his awesome story on how he became a pilot and how that more young folks should look into having a career in aviation. So how are you, Captain Timothy Bryant? Hello, everybody. Dr. Vicki Doe, Dr. D. (laughs) I'm doing I'm doing well. Happy to be here and happy to share my story and answer any questions that I could possibly answer that you all might have for me. All right. So we're ready, right, Dee? Yes, definitely. Tell us your story and why did you choose the career becoming an airplane pilot? And how long have you been an airplane pilot? And then once you finish that, I'm going to tell them my side of the story, (laughs) most especially since you were my brother, right? (laughs) So, yeah, clearly there's going to be two sides to this, <laughs> since you are my sister. However, my side, <laughs> basically my story is a relatively humble beginning and still living a relatively humble life and incredibly fortunate. And growing up, I always had an interest in, in aviation and flying. And I think most of us at some point in our lives have looked up at the sky and dreamed of what it would be like to be a bird or see a bird flying or something along that line. So I just took that and expanded upon it. Growing up, I had airplane toys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, as we get to our adult life, if we can do things that we enjoy doing as children and we can find a way to make money doing it or make a life career doing it, then it ends up being a wonderful setup for us. So I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. I'll tell you my story. Okay. Let me tell you my story. All right. Now, see, he's trying to be all humble and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But I remember when T, they were growing up, because I was the oldest. <clears throat> I am the oldest. <laughs> but growing up, he and another young girl, they 
would go to, you know how you would have to show up in your class at school show and tell? Mm -hmm. And for some reason, this other young lady said that when she grows up, she will she would like to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, she's, she's a, a doctor. doctor. T, he wanted to be an airplane pilot when he grew up. And lo and behold, he's an airplane pilot. And I'm like, okay, wow. now hold on a minute. How many of us know when we seven or eight what we going to be mm -hmm. and actually be that? Mm -hmm. So that's what's so remarkable about his story. But I remember way back, and Mother always tells this story of how T, you know, back in the day, they still do it now where you put a, a young child on the airplane and you get the, the stewardess, they would take care and the pilot, they would make sure. And I remember he was coming back from something and... It was in Pittsburgh at the time, and Mom and Brother Bill, my dad, they kept wondering, okay, well, why isn't T coming out? Come to find out, he was in the, I don't know what they call it now, cockpit, or what do they call it now, T? Well, the political correct name is the flight deck, yes. Okay. Deck. okay, so he was up in the flight deck looking at all the instruments and things. I always say, and Mother always say, that, hmm, maybe that's when he got the dream. And well, he already had it, but that's when I think reality hit that he might probably could be that. Do you remember that episode? Uh, well, I flew a lot. I traveled a lot as a, as a youngster. Mm -hmm. And I was put on airplanes between my parents and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have an unaccompanied program, unaccompanied minor program, which basically parents drop the kids off. Right. And the airline takes a hold of them and mm -hmm. gets them safely to their destination. Mm -hmm. Back then, you pretty much had a free reign of, of where you could go. I know. Yeah. So you were, you were like a rock star. So the gate agents would take you into all the secret areas of the airport that most people don't get to see. And the flight attendants would get a hold of you and throw you in first class. <laughs> and they invite you up to the front so you could talk to the pilot. Mm -hmm. They let you push buttons and you know, make noises and, you know, with the little alarms and things and bells and whistles. And, and that definitely didn't hurt <laughs> as far as convincing me of what I wanted to do. But but just the whole general aspect of, of, of what an airplane represents in terms of uh, technology and they're fast. Everybody likes things that go fast. They're loud. They're big. Just um, stereotypical things that little boys like. And fortunately, I'm in a position where as an adult, I get a chance to experience that every day. What is exactly, what was your educational process to, you weren't military, right? Well, I was in the military, okay. but it was Army mm -hmm. and Army, Army National Guard and Army Reserve. So I did not do any military flying. Myself, personally, all of my flying experience has been on the civilian side. At okay. the airlines, you'll have a mix of people that have a civilian aviation background and other people that have a military aviation background. And um, it's one of the good things about the airlines is the uh, diversity and, and the background of the pilots. So when mm -hmm. we get into the airplane and we discuss things, we have a lot of different experiences to draw off of to help us get from point A to point B as safe as possible. For the educational background, you got your bachelor's degree in aviation. So tell us more about that. That is correct. I started off flying um, just at a local airport 
in outside of Dayton, Ohio, as a matter of fact. And most airports, small regional airports where you see small airplanes flying around, do offer some sort of flight instruction that anybody has access to to take advantage of. So I did that initially to get my feet wet and to um, to kind of see if this might be something I actually actively want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, there's a lot there's a lot of steps to it. I got my first license, which is my private pilot's license, and I started working on my instrument rating, which allows me to fly in inclement weather, clouds, and, and low visibility situations, et cetera, and so forth. At the time, I was working a another standard job, not related to aviation. I was actually selling cars at the time. Once I decided this was really what I really wanted to do, I used that as a platform to pull my money together, and then I ended up transferring up to Bowling Green State University where I finished their program in aviation science and I got my bachelor's degree after I got all my ratings. That's fantastic. When you when you were talking about getting your license to fly with instruments and so forth, I had an immediate flashback to, I guess it's been now over 20 years ago when John Kennedy died in his plane crash. And yeah. I just remember, you don't have to have that to fly, do you? Because I think, didn't correct. he not, he did not have license or certification to be able to fly without instruments. And I think, as I recall, when they were talking about that, he got caught up in fog and so forth. And they were alleging that maybe that was postulating that maybe that was part of the problem. So you don't have to have that. that is that right? That is correct. Actually, at the time when, when, when his accident happened, I was a flight instructor. Oh, wow. And I actually had an interview with the local paper that was asking about that particular situation. Yeah, it was... Um, Unfortunately, he was in a situation where a lot of times in low visibility situations, particularly over water, mm-hmm. there'll be no over water and haze, high humidity. There won't be a clear, distinct horizon. Mm-hmm. It's just a wall of gray in front of you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that training to successively navigate and orient yourself via the instruments in the aircraft, you can lose orientation and, and, and get yourself in trouble. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's what happened with him. Mm-hmm. I understand Little Birdie told me that you were part of a youth program this summer. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Because I'm all in for teaching and reaching back and bringing forth. Tell yes. us about that program mm-hmm. in Chicago. Absolutely. Well, this past summer, in the month of July, we had an opportunity to host the ACE Camp, which stands for Aerospace Career Education Camp. Mm-hmm. And it is put on by, uh, we have a couple of different sponsors. One of the sponsors is OBAP, which stands for Organization of Black Airline Professionals. The, the program is basically designed to expose youth and, and young-minded individuals, young folks, I should say, that don't have the opportunity to see uh, or the exposure to see people in aviation doing careers and, and making a living in that aspect. What we do is we reach out and we, there's a, a process where people can submit Typically, it's parents that want to have something for their kids to do over the course of the summer. It's a week-long program. So they'll enroll it, enroll their kids, and we'll go through a screening process. The kids are traditionally from the inner city, and it's a good opportunity for us to expose them to a little bit of classroom. So there's a, a classroom aspect. We'll do half classroom during the day, and then we also have a field trip for the afternoon. So every day they're learning something and then they're going out and seeing a practical application of that. And then it culminates at the very end of the week with them actually having the opportunity to sit in a small Cessna airplane 
and fly, have their go at the controls, take off and land if they if they they choose to do so. They're in there with the flight instructor, obviously, wow. and uh, and they kind of coach them up and, and through the air. So it was it was a really good program, and I was excited to be a part of it. Where where were the field trips? Example, where, where did you all go? Did sure, you go sure. Well, every day, or something like, I like I said, that. Every day was a was a different aspect. So, for instance, I'm in Chicago. Mm-hmm which is the headquarters for United Airlines, the airline that I happen to work for. Where our corporate, our flight ops department, a lot of our dispatchers, things that are on the administrative side, uh, reservations, things of that nature, those are located primarily in Willis Tower, the Sears Tower, the tallest mm. building in Chicago. Mm. So uh, one of the days we took them up there so they could have an opportunity to see how that part of the operation ran how dispatchers dispatch flights from Chicago to destinations all over the world. And it's kind of our, our big tech center, something that you would see on a science fiction movie. You know, there's mm. big screens with maps and charts and, and all sorts of things. So the kids had an opportunity to see that. They really enjoyed it. One of the days we took them out, Boeing is also located, which is an aircraft manufacturer. Boeing is also located here, headquartered in Chicago. Mm. And they have a private aviation department, which is an arm of their corporate, their corporate branch. So it's, it's just an opportunity, a way for their corporate execs to get from point A to point B. Obviously, a Boeing executive might need to attend a meeting in Africa, South Africa, for instance. Well, they're going to have their flight department fly them on their private airplane to mm-hmm. that to that particular meeting. So we mm-hmm. took them out to to a local airport and let them see that part of the operation. They got to talk to the pilots, see what corporate airplanes might look like, not what we're used to as passengers. So they're going to be outfitted with large beds, showers, uh, some really nice amenities that uh, that the kids don't normally get a chance to see. Or me either. <laughs> she said, or me either. Or me either. <laughs> well, well, you know, some celebs, I know you are. <laughs> sure. So you might, you might have an opportunity to buy it on a, you know, uh. in a private jet. But, um, so it was a good opportunity for them to see that, talk mm-hmm. to the flight attendants, mm-hmm. and um, talk to the dispatchers. And the, the same, same sort of things that you'll see at a large airline, but for a smaller, a smaller outfit. Uh, we took them to see the flight ops down to at, at O'Hare. So they were actually in the tower. They got a chance to see some of those back parts of the airport that normal passengers don't get to see. Where do the bags go mm. after they come off the airplane? Mm. How they get sorted and, and those, those things. So we had them out there for a day. Uh, a couple other stops at some other airports. And then the last day was another airport where they got to go up with the flight instructor and go flying. Yeah, that wow. sounds like a good time, That's didn't it? Fantastic. And like I said, during the during the um, the first parts of the day, we have classes with them, so they learn a little bit about meteorology, a little bit about aerodynamics, and okay, physics, little little things. We put on little little classes and have them perform experiments, and and it was it was really rewarding for me to see the growth that happened over that week long period bet. because we had nineteen kids. Mm-hmm. They range from ages of 12 to 17, I believe. Okay. 12 to 17. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of um, students that were in previous camps mm-hmm. come back and talk to them, which was really nice because these were people that had once been in their seat, and now they were coming back after they had 
had some flying experience or maybe they were pursuing other careers in aviation mm-hmm. and they were able to talk to the kids. But just watching the kids grow and how they some of them went from not interested in at all to actually coming up excited at the end of the week saying they might want to, uh, you know, learn to fly or learn more about meteorology or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. So it was yeah, a good Yeah, that time. sounds good. That sounds good. So, you know, we always hear, and especially Nate, he always tells me when I get those anxious nerves about flying, he goes, now, you know, you know that they've said over and over again, the stats have said over and over again that plane travel is the safest mode of travel. So for a person that might have an anxiety about flying, how can you convince them of that? Because I'm, I'm sure it might be a little bit hard, but what's your thoughts on that? They say I can incite a riot on any plane at any time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I have to make sure I don't have you on <laughs> Are you asking me how would I convince somebody to fly that did not want to get on an airplane? Yeah, or at least convince them that it's pretty safe. Yeah. So I would say... As far as educating folks, the, you know, the numbers don't speak for themselves, obviously. Mm-hmm. Statistically, you are more likely to get into an accident on your way to the airport than you are on the airplane. And then, to go further into that, if you were by chance in an airplane accident, the odds are high that you would survive that as well. So it's, it's I mean, it's, it's very rare. I mean, thousands and thousands of flights take off and land every single day, mm-hmm. and you never hear anything. There's never an incident. You know, if you, you turn your TV on, you always hear about car crashes. So yeah, that would probably be the the one thing that I could stress. Okay. But uh, ultimately, you know, if I tell people if, you, if you're on a good flight, it shouldn't be feeling different to you than sitting in the, the chair in your living room. I guess what scares people, even for me, now, you know, I've done thousands and thousands of miles of traveling, and it's, I mean, I still get the little whatever anxiety. So I guess those myths, the first one, do planes fall out of the air, number one. And number two, which, you know, is one of the questions that we had to ask you, which everybody, you Mm -hmm. know, has concerns about that turbulence issue. So I think as I talk to more people and stuff to just understand what is turbulence? What is that? And you all apparently don't get upset and the flight attendants don't get upset. So why should we get upset? Exactly. Well, you should not get upset. And a lot of, as with anything, a lot of... uh what we don't understand is going to uh, cause some sort of anxiety or, mm-hmm. or fear or what have you. So, you know, it's, they always say risk is proportional to knowledge hmm. and probably the same with anxiety. You know, if you're upset or anxious about something that you have no reason to be, uh, if you, you learn about it, you might find out that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Turbulence, to put it simply for most, you know, for the listeners, mm-hmm. is really just rough air. That's the the easiest way to put it. It's caused by a lot of factors, but it could be the primary purpose is heating and cooling of the earth. If you're walking down the sidewalk on a sunny day and you walk, maybe you're downtown someplace, and you walk past a a building and that building casts a shadow, Mm -hmm. you'll notice that the air temperature feels a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. Well, walking down the sidewalk is not a big deal, but when you're riding through the air, there's going to be a disturbance that's caused by that colder air versus the warmer air. Mm. And it's really just a bump. It's just like driving your car down a rough road. And it's really nothing to, to get upset about. There are very, 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 very few incidences of turbulence bringing an aircraft down. Typically, it's going to be 
associated with something else, not just that turbulence. The airplanes are stressed the turbulence levels that are well beyond what what we could take as, as human beings. So turbulence will not bring an airplane down. Oh, wow. That's yeah, good to that, know, right? That's good to know because I <laughs> saw a doc on that. Keep your on. Yeah. Seat on. We always say that, and uh, we make that announcement. Even mm. when we have the seatbelt sign off, Okay. keep your belt on while you're seated in your seat because sometimes we can't, we can't forecast that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason that you're, that you're going to move around. If, if you're buckled in and that plane is bouncing up and down, you're not going to go anywhere. It's just like being in your car. Mm-hmm. You have your seatbelt on, you're not going to go anywhere. If you don't have your seatbelt on and that car comes to a sudden stop, you know, you might go into the dashboard. Right. Same, same thing. I saw, interestingly, when you were talking about the, what planes are taken through when they're tested, I saw a documentary on that. That helped me a lot, too, because when you look to see what these planes are put through when they're in the hangars or whatever the, whatever they use for the simulation for turbulence, it's way more than, you know, the, the wings are flapping and this, that, and the other. When there is turbulence, you look out, you're like, well, the plane's been stressed way more than this before they put it out. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The wings are not going to break off because of any turbulence that you're riding in hmm. just won't happen. Okay, so at least now when the turbulence <sighs> happens, we just sit back and <laughs> right. go, wow. wow. Okay. So, if I could add something, some people are susceptible to motion sickness. Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if they're in cars or mm-hmm. on boats or, or what have you. The best place to sit on an airplane, if you, if you don't like a lot of the excess movement, uh-huh would be right over the wing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's where I always sit. That's what I've heard, that's too. The, okay. Uh, yeah, that's the center of lift. Okay. Center of gravity or point of uh, moment of inertia. Everything moves around that point. If you're mm-hmm. further front or further back, mm-hmm. you might feel swinging or dipping or whatever the case may be as the airplane moves around. But it's going to be most stable, mm-hmm. less movement right mm-hmm. over the wing. Yeah, and that's where I usually try to sit, and then I try to sit on the aisle seat as well, because I remember when I took a trip to Hawaii, and coming back, I sat more in the, it was sort of kind of in the middle. Every now and then, somebody would cross over Mm. me. Mm. They were at the window, so they would cross over me. I was in the middle. Of course, the aisle, yeah, you're going to get up, but I was like, okay, where should I sit? Should I sit in the aisle or the window? Because I stayed up the whole <laughs> nine hours. And that's a long trip. Yeah. Because I kept having to get up and down. So trying to figure out where you're going to sit is a, a trip, too. I yeah. guess, you know, it depends on whether you want to sleep soundly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or if you want to get up and down. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I always try to pick between either the window or the aisle, and then try to go, okay, if this is a long flight, maybe I should be by the window part where if someone's sitting next to me, they won't be disturbing me when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, I'm the same way. I prefer the window. That way no mm-hmm. one has to disturb me, That's and then true. I can just disturb That's them. True. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I need to go somewhere. Yep. That's true, too. <laughs> Tell me, though, you know, there have been a lot of changes since we used to fly and since you were able especially back in the day as a as a, a youngster you were able to go to to the airplane this and that and the other now they have such tight security that we can't even go remember how d how we used to be able to go all the way to the gate yes to to greet all our people the way to the gate and so forth yes. so could you tell us some of the major changes that you have seen you know in flying since you started your career the biggest change would be the 
just the introduction of new technologies to make the industry safer and to to make the job easier for us. Numerous examples, but one of the most noticeable to us as pilots is the the fact that majority of our information is on our company-issued iPads now. Mm. And we have our books, our charts, our documents, uh, manuals, various maps. We have access to real-time weather, whereas before you're utilizing the uh, weather radar in the airplane, and maybe we'd have printed up satellite charts and radar charts, but clearly those are going to be old as we're on a flight. If you're flying for six or seven hours, mm-hmm. you know we're getting forecasts. Mm. We don't have necessarily real-time data. For now, with, um, with the iPads and satellite communications, et cetera, and so forth, I can have a real-time weather radar picture of my destination well before I've gotten there. Mm. I can oh, that's see great. what the actual weather is as opposed to relying on a forecast mm. and, and not knowing exactly until I arrive on scene. So that's made our job a lot easier. We don't have to tote around 70 pounds of charts <laughs> and maps. You, did you used to have to do that? Oh, we did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, every pilot had a um, pilot case, and inside that case we had uh, relevant manuals. Typically those are going to be related to the aircraft. Then we also had our navigation charts. And depending on what airplane you're on and what destinations you might be going, you're looking at a lot of paper because every airport has specific charts just for that airport. We have airport diagrams. We have charts for different approaches for the different runways and we have just about everything that we need to know about that airport is going to be contained within those pages Mm -hmm. so same as you might show up uh, you know just like a roadmap Mm -hmm. if you have a roadmap for a city all of that pertinent information we need to have access to that and we used to have to carry all that around and sometimes Mm -hmm. it could weigh a lot matter of fact the airlines would pay out a lot of uh, disability or long-term because people would throw their back out. Oh, my goodness. Moving these bags around. So it was it was an incentive for those guys to switch to the technology of an iPad also because mm-hmm. now they don't have those medical payouts. Mm. Like they used to. Wow, we're learning wow. a lot. I know, right. <laughs> so when you go into the flight deck, you were just alluding to that earlier. So a lot of times you guys don't know each other. This is the first time you're meeting each other. A lot of times, yes. yes. Wow. Many times. That's amazing. The first time. Mm-hmm. And then y'all work together as you a work team, together. right? What we'll do is typically on a flight, I'll find out where I'm going to be going. And we, we've gotten to the point where we, we've done it so often, we can go pretty much anywhere with just a, you know, a couple minutes worth of planning. But say I know I'm going to London, I'll show up at the airport and I'll meet the other crew members that are going to be flying with me. On a trip to London, typically there's going to be three of us, so I'll meet with the other two. And we'll sit down and we'll go over every aspect of the flight after the introductions, of course. A lot of times we'll have some small talk, figure out how the commute was, if they live locally, what they did on their days off, you know, just the usual stuff as we kind of get up to speed and, uh, and get an idea of, of each other. But one of the nice things about, about our training at the airlines and how we conduct things, everything's almost the same. So mm. I can do that trip. They can do that trip with anybody. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to follow pretty much the same guidelines. Matter of fact, in the training department, they mentioned to us that NASA studies how airlines do their training. 
Because mm. if you notice, people will go to the moon. Well, he, we have gone to the moon, but they'll do shuttle missions. Astronauts train together for years at a time. Yeah. Right. Same group of guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Airlines will come together, not know each other, a group of two or three, and we'll get an airplane from point A to point B safely every single time. And speaks to the level of training mm-hmm. and the operating procedures that we utilize that we can do that without having to train with the same person and only fly with that same person. So two people can come together. They know at each phase of flight what's going to come out of that other guy's mouth. And it's just a script and it's just a procedure that we all follow. We can get from point A to point B. So it works out really well. Oh, yeah. That sounds fascinating, isn't it? With all of the stuff that has happened, you know, with Kobe Bryant and the helicopter flight and some of the things that we have heard, what is your opinion about with all the investigation happening? What do you think from a pilot perspective? What are your thoughts about the incident? Oh, okay. In terms of... What might have happened? They kept saying that that helicopter was a, what they say, a workhorse. Right. Yeah. So I know helicopter helicopter, is, I know helicopter flying is probably a little bit different from airplane, right? It is a little different. There are some differences. Obviously, helicopters can hover. Mm -hmm. And uh, their their principles of flying are a little different. Same thing keeps them up in the air instead of wind and air flowing over the wings, they're flowing over the rotor blades. Hmm. But um, the way they, they're controlled, operate a little bit differently while they're hovering. In forward flight, they are going to do about the same thing. They're going to move forward. They're going to bank to go to the left or to the right, et cetera, and so forth. I am not a helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But as far as the basic principles and what may have happened, I do have an opinion. Okay. You know, but... They are currently investigating everything. Right, right, right. It's not going to be final until the NTSB puts out that investigation. But Mm -hmm. it appears as if, if I were to sum it up, it appears as if the pilot became disoriented and basically lost reference to where he was in relation to the ground. Mm. That that pretty much sums it up. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's funny when you think about neurology from a medical standpoint, you know, your proprioception, what we call proprioception Mm -hmm. is supposed to. I thought I guess I thought that's what that was for. But I have to tell you, sometimes when I'm in an elevator Mm -hmm. and the elevator, you can't tell sometimes whether the elevator is going up or down. So proprioception must not play into when you're in a plane like that, because obviously you don't know right side from up. Is that right? Up from right or down from up? Or am I saying that? That is. An excellent observation. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. The, um, and I mean, I'm sure you all talk about this, but we do. We, we have spent a lot of time studying aviation physiology. The body perceives acceleration. It doesn't perceive movement. You can be, you know, you mentioned John F. Kennedy Jr. Right. His situation, the, um, they call it a graveyard spiral, I believe. Uh-huh. You could be in a situation where you are descending to the left and feel as if you are climbing to the right. Oh, my. Just because of how the fluids in your inner ear force. Mm-hmm. So your eyes are what's going to make sense of that feeling. Mm-hmm. So your body will 
sense and acceleration, your eyes make so sense of the movement, if that makes any sense. Right. Yes. When, we do our instrument, when we do our instrument training, mm -hmm. it teaches us to ignore the way that we feel and pay attention to our eyes. Because we can't see outside the airplane, right. so we're basically looking at the instruments inside and not going off of the feel, but going off of just the instruments. Exactly. Yeah, because I did a whole chapter in my dissertation talking about perception, perceived perception and the whole thing uh, within the brain. And it's, it's very interesting because you could just kind of see, you can just kind of see a little bit when you're driving along. It seems when you look in the horizon, mm -hmm. it seems different than mm -hmm. when you're actually driving along and seeing outside. Oh, okay, those are trees. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you look mm -hmm. in the horizon, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. So it's that whole perception, that visual perception, but it all happens in the brain. And where, where I see it most is like mm -hmm. when you're in Europe and you're on the trains. Mm -hmm. Am I moving or is the other train moving? Yeah, you yeah. Know, are, are we moving or is the other train moving back or am I moving? And your brain plays tricks on you with that because you really can't discern yeah. in that second over. You can't discern the motion. And so, yeah, I don't it know takes if that's that, a theory of relativity or what, but it, it takes that it, vision. It takes that vision, right. right. Your vision that completes mm -hmm. the picture. That's mm. it. You know, you, yeah, you don't, you could be, yeah, I've, I've, I've been in situations where this happens a lot, actually, to me. I'll be sitting on the flight deck in the airplane, mm -hmm. and we're going through our checklist. As a passenger, you all would have been on board and boarded up. Uh -huh. And they close the door, and uh -huh. they move the jetway back uh -huh. from the airplane. Uh -huh. Sometimes I'll catch a glimpse of that in my peripheral. Uh -huh. I'll see that jet bridge moving, and I'll reflectively grab to make sure that the brake right <laughs> right yes it feels as if the plane might right. be yeah. moving backwards yeah right like so that, right. that illusion even though we're not moving yeah see that out the corner of my eye and it makes me feel like yes. yeah like i'm moving interesting yes but sad yeah in the case of in um, that situation with you know, kobe. kobe yeah they'll bring some light you know typically what we there's an interest among the aviation community in accidents because we learn from each and every one of them. Right. And it prevents, hopefully, those things happening again in the future. We'll be listening out to see what the NTSB concludes. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I guess it's sort of like being in the medical profession. The buck stops a lot with us in terms of a lot of things, but at least with us in medicine, when we get into trouble and we get into trouble from as medicine doctors or surgical doctors, it still boils down to your judgment about mm -hmm. whether you should do this or not based on a whole bunch of inputs into your brain, which is what I talk about with artificial intelligence. You can't program judgment, I don't think, into that. And so I guess with flying, it's sort of a similar kind of situation. It still, to me, seems like it's still a judgment kind of issue, right? Because that guy had a lot of experience, but it's still a judgment issue. Is he that, did. Am I, am I saying he did. that correct? He did have a lot of experience, over, over 8,000 hours, which yeah. is a lot of time. It is? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of factors. There's, um, when we study accidents, there's always a chain of events. Yeah. And if any one element had been broken in that chain, it, the accident would have never happened. It's never just one cause that causes it. So mm -hmm. they have to do a determination to figure out exactly what mm -hmm. was the ultimate cause. Mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes experience could be a handicap sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Complacency. You know, yeah. we, we yeah. talk about that. Yep, so yep, you yep. have to be aware of those things. Yeah. All right, so I am so glad this that this is fantastic. <laughs> oh my goodness, that you came, T. Because I was like, Thank you. "Yeah, T, you need to come on the show." Yes, yeah, yeah it's been a while, huh? <laughs> 
We thank you so much. This was always, great. You can always get a hold of me and we can talk about other things more specific, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe you might want to know how my New Year's Eve was in London. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Right, right. We have to have D up to see you and me come up when we're all there at Absolutely. the same time. Absolutely. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do a weekend in Chicago. Yeah, so we can come to the yeah. Windy City. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, thank T. Thank you, T. And peace and love, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Now, this ends our show, D. So do you have some tips that we should think about? Well, that was just a wonderful, a stellar, you know, interview <laughs> with T, other known as Captain Timothy Bryant yes. of United Airlines. I guess, you know, he, he sort of eased our anxiety to a certain extent about the, the issue of turbulence, telling us what that was. I liked his example of, mm-hmm. you know, hot and cold air, just, you know, changing the atmosphere. And when you're walking, you don't notice it. But when you're in the air, you notice it. And it's not really anything to be worried about. Planes don't fall out of the air. And that... You know, flying today, the difference that he has has seen mm-hmm. is the difference in technology. Yes. Going from a carrying a bag of about 50 pounds to an iPad. That's where it. All his information, flight information and all of that is out there. And I think he also helped us understand somewhat the tragic mm-hmm. accident that happened to Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the seven other people that were on yes. that flight about disorientation up there and not being able when you don't have the instruments kind of like we talked about John F. Kennedy and his tragic accident that your mind plays game you can't tell where the horizon is you can't tell up from down and you know so we're hoping we're praying for the families again and we're hoping that the NTSB I think that's what they're called uh, National Transportation and Safety Board Board will come up with the final answers but it was great hearing from him and I always love to hear from pilots because I think a lot of people have the quote-unquote fear of flying yes yes. you might not admit it but you do because you feel you're out of control right one person has your destiny and then a lot a lot of times we don't know. See, and we don't know. See, he answered a lot of questions. He did about the whole, you know, just how the operation of the right. flight that it kind of eases your it mind. Does. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge power. And yes, yes, brother T. T. You know, I'm big sis, so. I'm still your big sister. <laughs> yes, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. And you thank did. you, T. That's Kudos it. to Timothy Kudos. Bryant. Kudos to Captain Timothy Bryant. Captain Timothy Bryant. And also that he is representing, he's an African-American yes. male. Yes pilot and yes. kudos to We didn't him. even get into the talk of the paucity of women pilots mm-hmm. and the paucity of African-American pilots because mm-hmm. I still, you know, it's kind of like back in the day when you saw a black person on television you'd run out and go, there's a black person on television I'm still in awe when I see a black pilot Yeah, I love it. I love it Representing. I, when, And when I see a woman pilot yes. I'm still in awe and here we are in 2020 still talking about firsts. Yes, there it so, is So yeah And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. 
You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com. <laughs>